Okay. Well, welcome everybody. It's, um, my name is Randy. It's my wife Fredella, and uh, our topic this morning is on spiritual resolutions. And I'd like us to open in a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, have you discuss a question that's on your outlines there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this opportunity to uh, get together and and look at your word, Lord, uh, to have fellowship with one another. Lord, I pray that you would uh, hide us behind your cross, that you would speak to us and through us, Lord, that uh, each person might be have their focus directed to you. We thank you and we praise you. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the first question that we'd like you to discuss there at your tables is, what is a spiritual resolution? So let's just take a minute and discuss that. Okay. We've defined a spiritual resolution as a spirit-led desire to seek after God and to have fellowship with him. Uh, the verses that uh, Mark gave us in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 say, Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Okay. Um, Friella and I met here uh, at the Portico in 1983. We got married in 1985. She's, she's the beautiful one there. Okay, uh, we have uh, two children, Jeremy and Amanda. And this is uh, Jeremy, his wife Kendra, and uh, Isaac. And this is Andre and Amanda. Amanda's our daughter. And their two children, Knox and Evie. So the Lord's been good to us. This is Knox and Evie. And Knox and Evie. <laughs> and this is, the little one is our, our grandson, uh, Micah. And that's his uncle holding him there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I manage a warehouse over in San Francisco, Baron Shoes, and I've been there for quite a while. Um, uh, a little bit of my, my background, I come from, uh, I was born in a small town in Idaho, Lewiston, Idaho. We moved when I was about one or two years old to uh, uh, Wisconsin, and I spent most of my childhood in a place called Arkansas, Wisconsin, a small place. And my goal in life was to, to grow up and become a professional gambler. So, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't want to go working or anything, you know, I wanted... I wanted to have fun, you know, kind of thing. So uh, I spent a lot of time playing pool, foosball, anything that they had in a small town that I could gamble over. Um, then I ended up joining the Navy, and it was uh, while in refresher training down in San Diego that everything kind of came to a head in, in my life. And I came face-to-face uh, -face with my sinfulness and God's holiness. And... And I cried out to God. I said, God, if I haven't gone too far, and if the blood that Jesus shed on, on the cross can pay for my sins, then I ask you to forgive me, come into my life, 
take me and, and do as you please with my life. And uh, I just felt the presence of God just kind of fill me. And, and um, what was head knowledge before became a reality in my life. So that's my story. All right, well, I was uh, born and raised here in uh, Hayward, California. I have uh, three brothers and two sisters. And um, our family was raised to go to church, so we went to church every Sunday. And then we were also um, involved with catechism, which was um, during the week sometime. And so I knew about God. I knew that Jesus um, died on the cross, but I didn't really um, understand that you could have a personal relationship with him. And that didn't happen until I actually got into high school. I was a freshman in high school, and a girlfriend of mine um, had invited me to Young Life. And um, I didn't know if I really wanted to go because it sounded kind of churchy to me. And so um, I thought, you know, I already go on Sundays. Why would I want to do, do it during the week? So anyhow, I told her no, and because it was at her home that particular uh, Monday night, and she lived right around the corner from me, she decided to come and kidnap me. And so she kidnapped me, took me to her home, and I really thought it was going to be boring, but um, actually it was a lot of fun, and they sang songs, they did uh, just different games, different skits, and then at the end of the evening, they always uh, would give a gospel message. And so I, I kept going because um, I felt like there was something missing in my life, and the way these leaders um, talked, the way they just um, lived their lives, I knew that there was something different about them. And then it wasn't until um, oh, that summer I had decided to go to Young Life Camp, and um, there was the speaker there was speaking one night, talking about um, Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins, and that we can um, have eternal life with him if we um, will confess that we're a sinner and be cleansed by his blood and him invite him into our lives. And so that night I did that and immediately felt like his Holy Spirit just filled my life. So that was back in 1978. Um, right out of high school, I became a Young Life leader and got involved in a church out in Fremont. And there a friend of mine... Um, who actually was a co-worker with me, uh, invited me to the port call Well, when I heard that there were sailors involved in the port call there was no way I was coming to the port call And so I said, no, thank you. And she kept bugging me. And then this particular one um, day, she said, come on, Fridella, you're really going to like it. And I'm like, I really don't think so. But I told her, I said, okay. Um, I had a trip um, to go to Santa Cruz with my Young Life girls. And um, I said, if it rains, I'll come. But if it doesn't rain, I'm definitely not coming. Well, it rained. So because I made that commitment that I would come, I was kicking myself all the way driving here and came up to the, the stairs that are over there on the other side. And the first person I spotted when I came up the stairs was this really cute guy. And so I was like, well, this might not be too bad, you know? <laughs> but anyhow... Um, he was surrounded by a group of people, and I thought, hmm, he must be either somebody really important or he's got something good to say. And so I decided, because the people there were very friendly, um, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of Young Life, um, that this would be a fun place to continue to come. So they uh, announced a box lunch social that they were going to be doing the following week. 
And I thought, well, that would be fun because they're going to raise money for camp, and the guys will bid on the, the mills, and whoever bids the highest on your mill gets to eat with you. So I went home, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to make a nice chicken dinner or whatever. And I brought it in a box, and I kind of decorated the box with just some crayons and some marking pins. But when I got to the church over into the kitchen, all of the other ladies were in cooking their meal, and they had these beautiful baskets with ribbons and lace. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a box. And so I decided to stay, but I was really embarrassed. And um, they did the bidding, and Randy, um, mine was towards the end, and Randy and another guy started bidding on my box, and they did a little bidding war. And Randy ended up winning my box. He paid $53 for my box. And, uh, <laughs> That's on a sailor's salary. <laughs> he actually felt sorry for me. But um, anyhow, that night, as we were eating our meal together, it was like the Lord whispered in my ear, and he said, that's going to be your husband. And it took him a while to figure that out. But... Um, <laughs> Anyways, uh, two years later, we were married, and so this March, it will be 31 years. Thank you. Okay, which brings us to our first uh, resolution. Our first resolution is get to know the Father better. Okay? Some people have pointed to the, uh, in response to the question, how do I get to know the Father better? Some people refer to the law. And the laws and those who interpreted the laws had grown so big by the time that Jesus got here, there were over 600 commands that a righteous person was expected to follow. And the only groups that really did or attempted to, at least outwardly, were the the Pharisees and the religious leaders, the, the common people, uh, it was way too complicated and way too burdensome for them to even bother with it. So is it into that context that Jesus cuts through uh, all the clutter and says, all the law is contained in these two commands. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and the seconds like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All that the law embodies is contained in these two commands. So the first and most important question is, am I loving God? And for me, uh, it starts with uh, studying his word. Uh, and in studying his word, I get to know something about him. And it's in obeying his word that I get to know him. Big difference. You, know, um, you can have a head knowledge. You can have a lot of, a lot of facts about who God is and stuff, but that doesn't mean that you know him, you know, and so uh, that's one of the important things for me. I love how he reveals his attributes in his word. We're going to kind of focus on one of those, which is his omnipotence or his, his great power. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of power, but some of the things that, that you know, you might contemplate or entertain is, you know, maybe a human being, you know, someone who lifts weights, you know, someone who's strong, can hoist a lot of weight. You know, you might think of that. That's a certain type of power. There's kind of like uh, electrical power or magnetic power or nuclear power. You know, they can make some pretty strong bombs that do some pretty devastating things with uh, nuclear power. You can make a nuclear reactor that powers, you know, 
city, whole cities, you know, so there's lots of forms of power, but these all pale in comparison to the power of God. Um, it reminds me, I, I think of, oh, and earthquakes, which is what missed the, my key point. Um, in the mid-80s, the, the port group was, uh, we'd gone up to Yosemite, we used to go up there every year, and we were uh, getting ready to go on hiking, and we were in our tents, and all of a sudden, an earthquake hit, and you could, I was laying on the ground, and I could feel the earth kind of like heaving up uh, under me, and I'm going, whoa, this is, this is pretty scary, you know, um, we all come out of our tents, and we go, did you feel that? You go, yeah, 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 we felt it. Um, so then we started hiking, and there's, if you've been up to Yosemite, there's a lot of different trails and things that you can go on. And the group that I was with uh, went up to um, Nevada Falls. So here we are hiking up this trail. You know, you're going on solid granite for a couple hours. We got to the top, and all of a sudden, another earthquake hit. And I'm telling you, that, that mountain was shaking like it was jello. We thought, ooh, this is, this is the end, uh, uh, you know. But so when I, when I think of power, I think of things like that. But even that, that pales in comparison to the power of God. God's power, we're, do you realize that God spoke and the universe came into existence? He's still speaking and he animates the universe right now. So the very fact that we can breathe, we have air, all of the things, the planets are obeying him. God's creative speaking voice is still active right now. Um, that's not original with me. That's a, a, a quote from uh, Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God in the Speaking Voice. Uh, but it's awesome to think of how powerful God's voice is. Okay, the second part of that is loving our neighbor as ourself. Um, I found that in uh, reaching out to my neighbors or sharing in our small groups the things that God is, is teaching me is a double blessing. First, there's the, the blessing in, in the preparation, the things that he teaches me while I'm preparing. And then uh, there's a whole new set of insights that he gives when I start sharing what it is that he taught me in my own private time with him. Um, the fellowship and the interaction that we have with other people opens insight, new insight into God's character. The fellowship of believers as we discuss joys like weddings, children, vacations, friendship, work, and our trials and our tribulations, uh, health issues, difficult workers, they all contribute to our understanding of what our Heavenly Father is doing. We get to compare notes as it were is the best way to respond or not respond to the circumstances of our lives. Um, and then there's the gathering of the body of Christ in the local church where we get exposed to sound biblical teaching uh, that's beneficial to our getting to know the Father better. Our motivation in coming to church should always be to grow in worship and praise of our loving Heavenly Father who alone is worthy of praise. So uh, one of the ways... Um I enjoy getting to know the Father better is through his word. And from the moment um, I became a believer, um, God placed a love and desire in my heart to study his word. So I uh, began getting involved in different studies um, throughout high school with uh, Young Life and then through the church that I mentioned out in Fremont. 
When I came here, um, we were involved at the Portico's uh, weekly Bible study, um, as well as small groups. But it wasn't until a friend of mine had invited me to Bible study fellowship that um, I really felt like I was studying God's word in depth. Um, and that's where I felt God had um, placed me, where he called me to be. And that was 20 years ago. Um, I, that was when I uh, made my uh, spiritual resolution to get to know God better. Then 14 years ago, God called me into BSF leadership and have been given the privilege um, of leading and shepherding women um, through the different Bible studies. When I was asked into leadership, I was, of course, not sure I was qualified to do that. Um, I was very scared and intimidated, but God assured me in his word through um, Isaiah 41.10, where he said to me, Fridella, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sorry. <laughs> so for the past 14 years, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, God has been faithful to me in keeping that promise. He has strengthened me over the years and helped me to keep my commitment to him in serving in this area of my life. One reason that I have stayed in BSF for the past 20 years is because I love their fourfold approach to studying God's word. Not only are we in his word daily, but we were given the opportunity to share in our groups what we have learned and then the joy of receiving more insights and principles from the lecture as well as the notes. Another reason I enjoy um, staying there is because God's word is alive. And it doesn't matter how many times I study his word or do the same um, Bible study, it's always fresh and new. And I, and I appreciate that um, about the Lord. Um, okay, I lost my spot. <laughs> um, so in preparation as a leader, um, I'm asked to do homiletics each week on the passage that we've studied. And this has caused me to go deeper uh, into the passage so that I have a better understanding of it. At first, this was very intimidating for me, and I struggled with it. But over the years, God has shown me that this is my time alone with him and where he is going to speak one-on-one -on -one to me. Um, he reveals his different attributes to me as well as truths that I can live by. So as I draw close to him, then he draws close to me. Through this whole experience, I've had to fully rely on the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance as I read his word and lead my group of women. And this has been a huge part of who I am and how I get to know the Father. Uh, I wanted to show you a picture of my uh, BSF ladies. I've got the privilege of leading them for the last two years, and they have been a joy and a delight uh, to me. So on your tables, um, because I love to study the attributes of God, there's a different attribute on each of your tables. And we would like you to um, take a moment and discuss what that attribute means to you, as well as how, if you focused on that attribute, how that could cause you to love the Lord more. Okay. Uh, that brings us to our uh, second resolution. Our second resolution is to get to know the sun better. Okay. 
focusing on the Lord in difficult circumstances. Uh, kind of in prep to that, uh, the, the scripture that I want to uh, have us focus on is uh, that in Matthew 17, uh, the transfiguration, uh, Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John up into a mountain, and while he was praying, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his garment became white, and there appeared Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus, discussing his upcoming departure from Jerusalem. Um, while they're there, Peter, he's not sure what to do, so he says, Lord, should we build the three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he's still speaking, a cloud encircles him, a voice comes out of the cloud and said, this is my beloved son, hear him, listen to him. So um, it's important for us to learn how to listen to, listen to the Lord. For me, what experiences have I faced that are similar to those that Jesus faced? So I already told you when I was a young guy, I joined the Navy. What I didn't tell you is as soon as I joined, uh, to my horror, I was one of those people that are chronically seasick. So, <laughs> and then you, you, at insult to injury, I was on an aircraft carrier. So any of you have any knowledge of ships or anything like that, you know, the aircraft carrier is the biggest thing afloat out there. And I was sick as a dog on that. I was on the, on the Oriskany. And I'm sitting there. I got four years of this. And I thought, well, my, and my brother was on there too. So we had brother duty. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. You'll get over it. You'll get over it. And I didn't get over it. It was, it was, it was terrible. Um, I, I thought about going AWOL. I, I even contemplated suicide. Neither one good options. Okay. So... Um, but I had uh, rededicated my life to the Lord, you know, and so um, I was just asking the Lord, help me, Lord, to honor my commitment to my country and serving the Navy because there's four years worth of it, you know, and I tried to look at what similar circumstance did Jesus face, and although, so I thought of the, uh, right after his baptism, where he's led of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of Satan for, for 40 days. Um, it's not a, a direct parallel, but the testing of the commitment is, is there. So my commitment to the Navy was tested. Uh, Jesus' commitment to his Father was tested. Everything Satan had to throw at him, he threw at him. You know, he, had, he, was, he fasted for 40 days. He was hungry. He was taken up into the temple uh, and told to jump off the temple and that God's angels would, you know, bear him up unless he crashed into the pavement below. Then Satan takes him up into a mountain and shows him the glory of all the kingdoms of the earth. And he says, bow the knee to me and I'll give this all to you. Um, and Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God alone. So the, Satan used uh, the word to try to trip the Son of God up. But God, Jesus responded with the word, spirit-led. God enabled him to stand, withstand the test and the onslaught of Satan. So, um, some circumstances we face are a result of our choices. That was one of my choices. 
some of the things we face are a result of no choice. And we, we didn't have a choice in the matter, you know. Um, I lost my job, uh, and my wife had a surprise birthday party for me down here in a park in Castor Valley, and uh, I was playing baseball, and my son threw the ball, and it went flying over my head. I went running after it and got to the edge and, and broke my ankle. And, <laughs> and so they, they took me to Eden Hospital. When I got to Eden Hospital, um, they wanted to know how I was going to pay for uh, what needed to be done. Well, I was... Just, I just started Smith, so I didn't have any insurance. And I'm sitting there going, I, I, well, I don't know, you know. And, and this is where the Lord taught me a very valuable lesson. Um, my family and friend, brothers and sisters in Christ who were, were there, you know, went out. They took up a collection. I didn't know they did this, but they took up a collection. They came, and they paid for my visit at the hospital. And no one told me what was given or, or who gave what or anything. So I, I couldn't go back and pay people back, you know. Um, so all I could do was just thank God for such loving, generous, caring people. Um, so anyway, um, that's how the Lord took care of those needs uh, at that time. Um, and the other story I wanted to share was uh, with, with our daughter. Um, our daughter had a, a condition known as racing heart syndrome. Used to, she'd be playing ball or uh, different things would set it off and her heart would just race like crazy. And, and uh, she got married and was pregnant with their first son. Um, her heart would race so long that she would get really weak and it was, uh, it was pretty scary. Um, so finally, they ended up going to the doctor anyway, and they, were, they wanted to have another child, but before they, they did it again, we said, well, you know, it'd be good to, to go and see what the doctors have to say. So they, they went in, and, uh, and the doctors set up a, a time. They said, come back there to perform a, a surgery on her heart. So while the doctors were performing the surgery, we were off to the side interceding and talking to our Heavenly Father and our great physician, the Lord Jesus and uh, he gave the doctors the skill and the wisdom to perform the, uh, the surgery. And thank God, um, she came out of it. Um, and she hasn't had an episode since. So and I was thinking where Jesus might have had similar emotions is when he heard about his friend Lazarus who got sick and died. John 11.35 says that when Jesus got there, that he wept. Um, but he had compassion, and he called Lazarus out of the death. Our daughter didn't die, but she was still in, her health was in jeopardy, and, and the Lord was gracious. Okay. So for me, getting to know the son better is all about trusting in him. So for me, trusting the Lord has been a huge part of my spiritual growth over the years. But especially in the last three years, the Lord has really shown me the key to trusting him is to look at his attributes, keep my eyes focused on him and not my situation or my circumstance. Over the years, the Lord has put situations into our lives where we have had to trust him, whether it was over the loss of jobs, trying to find housing, dealing with a difficult client, 
My daughters needing surgery or taking, air, taking care of an elderly neighbor in my home. Each of these trials are what I call stepping stones of faith. Each time I had to trust the Lord that he would provide for our needs and that he would care for us. The verse I clung on to most uh, during those times was from Philippians 4.19, which says, My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Each time the Lord provided, whether it was um, food from a neighbor, money from friends so Randy could have his surgery, or his peace that passes all understanding for my daughter, or the grace and patience needed to care for my neighbor, God provided, and because of that, my faith grew in him even more. But it wasn't until the last two years where I have had to truly learn what it means to trust the Lord. Me and my husband suddenly found ourselves, sorry, in an in-the-meantime situation with one of our children. We were in shock, uh, disbelief, heartbroken, hurt, upset, and basically we were uh, depressed and in despair. And as parents, um, we thought we could try to fix the situation, but instead it caused more of a separation. And because we've never had to deal with this before, our families have always been very close. Um, this was very hard on us. And it was at this time that BSF was getting ready to start back up again. And I seriously didn't think I could do it because my emotions were all over the place. But I made the commitment and I decided I better go to the first meeting. And when I went, my uh, teaching leader had said, this year, we are gonna be look, looking at, or we're gonna learn the sovereignty of God through the life of Moses. And because I needed his um, assurance and um, of his sovereignty, I decided I'd better stick with it. And so I trusted that God would lead through me that year. One of the very first principles I learned that year was that God is still at work in the midst, sorry, in the midst of suffering. And because we were suffering, uh, this gave me hope. And this was my prayer that God would be working not only in our lives, but in the lives of our children. Another principle that helped me through this difficult time was that we can focus on our circumstances and despair, or we can focus on God and have hope. And because we were in despair, I chose to focus on God and his attributes. But probably the biggest help for my peace of mind, thank you, I have one, <laughs> um, for my peace of mind came from a little paragraph that I read in my notes, and it said, what a joy and relief to cry out to God and see him provide. Have you discovered that the burden of your life's journey is not on you? It rests on the shoulders of the almighty God and guide. And that was so powerful for me and so freeing to know that God's shoulders are big enough to carry my burden 
as well as my children's, and that I don't have to. I can trust that mine and my children's life journey is in his hands, and he will direct our paths. I also learned that my circumstances may remain the same, but my perspective won't if I've been in God's word. And this has been true for me as well as my husband. A prayer that I'm learning to pray is, God, give me a heart of gratitude for what was, a heart of acceptance for what is, and a heart of anticipation for what's to come. So on your papers, I did an acrostic of the word trust, and this is what trusting God means to me. T is total surrender of my will to God's will. And once you surrender, or once I surrendered, then R, you can rest in him. Psalms 44.10 says, to be still and know that I am God. He is the Almighty One, and nothing is too big for him. You understand that Satan will throw doubts at you. He wants to steal your peace and your joy that you have in the Lord. Yes, stand firm in God's truth and who he is. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Cling to God's word and stay focused on him. And then T, thank God for your circumstances. First the lessons, first, sorry, first Thessalonians 5.18 says, to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So recognize that the trial comes from God's loving hand to refine us and mold us into the image of his son and see it as a gift from God. And lastly, don't, don't waste your suffering. Let it draw you closer to the Lord. He promises to never leave you or forsake you. So um, if you would just take a minute and discuss the um, next question. What difficult circumstances have you faced or are currently facing that is requiring a deeper trust in the Lord? Okay, let's move to our third and final resolution. Our third resolution is to get to know the Holy Spirit better. John 15, 26 says, When the Advocate comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And in John 16, says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The three things that Jesus said the Spirit would do here, he did in my life. First, he convicted me of my sins, lust, smoking, drinking, envy, self-control, self-centered, I should say, 
Worst of all, I was condemned because I did not know Jesus. Secondly, the Spirit convinced me of righteousness. Jesus goes to the Father, underscoring the truth that his actions were approved by God. Therefore, Jesus is to be our example. And thirdly, that of judgment. The ruler of this world, Satan, is judged. He was judged at the cross. Satan and all that he stands for was there judged by God. Everything in my life that needs judgment was dealt with at the cross. When I see sin for what it really is, then I understand why God deals with it so harshly. The blessed third person of the Trinity, I'm so grateful that he still reveals my sin to me. But not only does he reveal my sin, he also reveals God's remedy. The precious blood of the Lord Jesus. I'm grateful that he continues to convict me so that when I do, I can, with his enabling, repent. He is God transforming us into the bride of Christ. And when God is finished, it'll be a perfect bride. He is God's guarantee that we will be victorious in this great battle that we find ourselves in. The battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, its ungodly value system. The flesh, our sin natures and its desires. And the devil, who's a liar, deceiver, and murderer. Okay. One of the ways I get to know the spirit better is through prayer and listening for his uh, still small voice and then being obedient to it. Many, many times I get too busy, I rebel, or I, f or I refuse to listen. But over the years, I am learning that obedience brings blessing, and so I'm trying to be more obedient. Because of my study in Revelation this year, where I'm seeing the Lord high and lifted up and seated on the throne, I feel my worship of the Lord is more centered on his sovereignty, holiness, worthiness, majesty, glory, and power. And I feel the Holy Spirit is opening my eyes to see Jesus in a new light. One of the passages that struck me recently from um, Revelation 7, 13 through 15, where it says, Those who had come out of great tribulation had their robes washed and made white by the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night. And it just made me question my service to the Lord. Do I serve him day and night, or do I only serve him when it's convenient for me? I have learned this year that serving the Lord is an act of worship. And so this has caused me to start each morning by asking the Lord, how can I serve you today? And lo and behold, the first time I prayed it, I got two phone calls. One was from the woman who lived with us, uh, Margie, and another from a gentleman. Well, Margie um, needed to go get her, her ears checked to get some hearing aids, and Dawn needed a haircut and a manicure from me. So, and that's, there's no, nothing wrong with that. It just happened to be the week before Christmas. And that's like the worst time to call me to do anything because I'm baking and I'm crafting, and so it was like, you know, I knew that they needed help, 
but I was actually looking at my needs before their needs. And um, so after they had asked, I didn't say this to them, but this is what I was thinking. I was like, really? Seriously, Lord? I mean, you know, the week before Christmas? Um, but the Lord checked me. The Spirit just put that little question in my ear and said, Fridella, do you remember what you prayed this morning? And I said, yeah, I remember, Lord. And so I had to confess. And um, then I um, just asked the Lord to give me a right attitude and to be able to do all I needed to do to get everything done. And he honored my request. I was able to take Margie to get her, her ears checked. I did Don's hair and stuff and, um, and got all my bacon all done. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but as I continue to ask the Lord how I might serve him, he continually gives me opportunities to do just that. I'm learning to take up my cross daily and follow the Lord, which is a life of sacrifice. And I know I can't do this on my own, but it takes the Holy Spirit's strength and enabling. So the last question, thank goodness. <laughs> How is the Spirit of God making you more like Christ? Okay. We in conclusion, we want to just say that uh, it's important that we get to know the Father better. We get to know him better as the Son reveals him. And it is the Spirit who enables us to share in this beautiful unity of the Trinity. Um, my wife and I want to thank you very much for allowing us to share a bit of our lives here in front of this group. Um, we thank and praise God for each of you.